What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's a big show. We've got a lot to cover. We had the um, the SummerSlam cookout. They're calling it the SummerSlam. Uh, you wrestling fans from uh, back in the day might, might object, but... Uh, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State football staff, had uh, just about all the Mississippi State commitments on campus, as well as a few priority targets. We'll talk about that. Picked up a big commitment over the weekend with Malik Heath. Also, we had uh, some very serious reaction to last Friday's show. as We talked about some of the unrest that has taken place within our state. I'll address a little bit of that. not going to spend a lot of time on that. There's a couple things I want to say about that. And also, too, did a lot of work over the weekend. Um reviewing some information about the uh, Jackie Sherrill case. And I think it's important, you know, we already know how that case ended up. There are some things that were unearthed and made public through that proceeding that you as a Mississippi State person need to be aware of. You need to be aware of this. And so, and that was one of the things that I had hoped, and I have spoken to several people, uh, no details about any settlements. Okay, you can abandon all hope of that. I, I, I don't think that'll ever be known. Okay, that's one of those things when you make a confidential settlement, everybody kind of signs a non-disclosure agreement, you move forward with life. So, But there are some things about some names you know that were revealed during that legal proceeding that I believe are noteworthy and things that you need to be aware of about number one how the NCAA treated Mississippi State and how they operated how some people within the Magnolia State enemies of Mississippi State how they behaved and kind of what they're trying to do now I think I think that needs to be part of the dialogue now we're going to get into fall practice this week matter of fact uh, that'll be on Friday so this time next week we're going to be talking exclusively about college football unless we get an update you know we get a recruiter a commitment I don't expect any more commitments between now and the season for the 2020 class don't expect that I mean I guess we could be surprised I mean certainly if there's a priority target or two out there like a guy like Tyra Sweet decides he wants to commit you're certainly going to go ahead and take him 
But all that said, I think the hay is in the barn for the most part as things stand now. But uh, but all that being said, this time next week, we're going to be talking about an actual football practice. You know, there is that acclimation period, of course, where uh, players don't you don't have full pads. You you have that warm up period, and so. But uh, Monday, we will have had uh, have seen Mississippi State practice. We'll have seen Tommy Stevens take the field and throw the football around. A- eager to see that. You know what I'm saying? I'm eager to see him throw the football and to see guys like Isaiah Zuber and Javante Payton run and catch it. I- I'm eager to see that. But that's next week. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They, they will... They will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmart when you were students here at Mississippi State. Some of you as parents may still be doing that for your students. But if you're looking to outfit your family, your office, your RV, your pet, your home, your yard, whatever you're looking for, you can find it at Campus Bookmart. And perhaps if game day is too busy a day for you, maybe that's not a shopping day for you. Maybe you don't want the hustle and bustle and anxiety of of all that. I understand. I understand. You can go to campusbookmart.net, and you can peruse their fine selections right there online. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a promo code that will save you a little cash, give you a little incentive to go give those folks a try. That promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50, and any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So let's jump into the weekend that was, because I think, you know, before we talk about any, you know, social issues or legal issues or any of that stuff, let's focus on the team, right? So Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead hosted a big crowd of, uh, of recruits this weekend. I guess somewhere around 30. I guess that's the final number Paul Jones and I were there to to, uh, to kind of cover that. You know, we get, we're able to talk to the guys before they register and then after the event is over. You know, we're not, we're not sitting there at the dinner table, you know, having, uh, you know, Beans and Franks. You know, with uh, with Tulu Griffin or anything. That you know, that's not that's not what's happening. But we're able to get guys and get pictures of them. I uh, got fresh pictures of everybody that showed up. And so, if if you're looking to see their smiling faces or look and see perhaps, uh, you know, what they look like today, because we took those a lot of those profile pictures back during an overcast junior day earlier in the year. So we'll be up updating some of that stuff. But uh, Good to get everybody back. Before we get too wrapped up in all of that about who who was there, let let, let me re- recap who wasn't there and kind of explain, uh, you know, kind of where things are with those folks because some of those just simply couldn't make it, and uh, yeah, much to their chagrin. And then there's there's one or two others that are a little bit um, maybe some concern there. So, uh, Tamarian and McDonald of Whitehaven did not make the trip. He just simply couldn't make it. Uh, it's as simple as that, and and, and uh, was in contact with uh, the Mississippi State staff uh, from what he told me, and, and was really, really, really regretful that he couldn't make it. There was some talk among the Arkansas folks that he was going to ride up to Fayetteville with uh, with Bryce and Eason. That that didn't happen either. So uh, T Mac ends up staying home. Good player. I've got no reason to believe that uh, his commitment to Mississippi State is in jeopardy from either side. You know, I, I think he remains committed to Mississippi State. Uh, I know there's been this talk about the, this trio of guys playing together. And that's usually how it works in the high school mind. You're thinking, you know what, we're all going to go together. And it just doesn't work that way. I mean, even for many of us as students, we said, hey, we'll always be together. And then when it got time to pick, we, we, we did what we thought was best for us. But 
not concerned at all about Tamari McDonald. Uh, Javoria Selman did did not make the trip. Now, Selman uh, was part of a team fundraiser. And, and you, you may recall DeMonte Russell. We had trouble getting DeMonte Russell on campus uh, last year, even though he ended up signing with Mississippi State and really had no fanfare whatsoever. There, there's not any concern about Javoria Selman either. Uh, Selman and them, again, they had a team function, a fundraiser for, for Provon High School football. He was already committed to that and just simply couldn't make the trip. Nothing to be concerned about there. He, he's fine. Things between the Mississippi State are fine. Now, John Carice Patterson did not make the trip. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, the information that I have about him, I don't even think he has been in school this summer uh, at, uh, at Derrick Hines. You know, he was at Jones County, then he was transferred. He was talking he's going to transfer to East Mississippi. I'm not exactly sure what to expect this fall from John Carice Patterson. Just, just not sure. You know, I know that the uh, the guys at Cole Lynn and Mississippi State's recruiting that they're they went to summer school. You know, they're doing what they need to do to be able to graduate in December. Uh, so that's one that I think is pretty much wide open. You know, that that that's a situation that we'll continue to monitor. But uh, I, I I could see that one going either way, to be quite honest with you. Shaquan Anderson Butts. Uh, he's up there in, at Iowa Western Community College. We didn't expect him to make it down. Him and Benjamin Key, both out-of-state junior college guys, uh, they're preparing for their seasons. And, again, no, no concern about their commitments to this program. They just simply couldn't make it. Just uh, you know, too much of a uh, too too much of a travel limitation there. Uh, Jaquavian Brown, or, or, or Jacovon, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, Jacovon Brown, was set to be at Mississippi State as late as Friday night, went to Ole Miss. Yes, there is cause for concern there. Anytime something like that happens, there is a cause for concern. Now, one of the things that is interesting to me about all of this is that uh, there always seems to be a source. You know what I'm saying? There's always somebody out there. Every time that there is any unrest between State and Ole Miss, there's always somebody out there that's kind of sharing information that uh, that seems to have information that other people don't. And, uh, you know, Brown was a guy that uh, kind of committed to Mississippi State kind of out of the blue, was a bit of a surprise. This is one that's going to continue to be a roller coaster for a while. Now, all of that said, Mississippi State has some other options at linebacker. And so this is, you know, I think Jacques Von Brown's going to be a great player. I think he's got a chance to be a big-time player. He, he will be making the move from tight end to linebacker on the next level. It's going to, there's going to be some time for him to kind of get up to speed at all that. But, uh, but yeah, listen, he goes to Ole Miss. Uh, and, and, listen, this is your big event after the dead period. And so anybody that can look at that and say, hi, ah, it's nothing to worry about, that, that's being a little bit of a homer. Because anytime somebody slips off and visits those guys, it would be one thing if he went to, to Florida or Notre Dame or Texas or LSU. But he went to Ole Miss, you know. And so anytime something like that happens, it's cause for concern. Uh, there was some talk going on. Oh, well, he didn't have a ride. He had a ride. Okay, he had a ride to Starville. They elected to go to to, to Horn Lake. I am to, go to Ole Miss. I'm told that there's some people up there that said, "Hey, you know, you haven't really given Ole Miss a fair chance when you go by and see them." And and uh, and I was told that he he refused to do any media while he was up there. Which uh, you know that that's something that's rather intriguing as well. If if they were a, you know shall we say a 100% willing participant. In, in all of that, then uh, it would make sense that he would do media. Didn't do media, so you know we'll, we'll see. But that that is something 
that is concerning. I don't think it's anything you give up on because I think he's going to be a great player. I don't think you just throw your hands up in there and say, let's move on from this. I mean, number one, it's July, and he's been committed to you uh, now for, I guess, six, seven weeks. But uh, he's still your guy. And so until that changes, you know, I think Chris Marv stays on him. Uh, Jevin Banks, also from Olive Branch, did make it. Actually was in contact with him uh, on Saturday morning. Just a family trip. They had already uh, you know, made plans to go up and uh, have a family trip. Uh, and so I already had that plan before all of this was, was uh, announced. Not, I can promise you there's nothing wrong with Banks. He is 100% committed to Mississippi State. His family's committed to Mississippi State. Uh, he's good to go. Devontae McRae also didn't make the trip, but he was at Mississippi State earlier last week. Late last week, came and spent some time on campus. And you listen, East Mississippi, those guys, they're getting ready to ramp up for their, their preparations as well. Uh, so that's who didn't make it. Everybody else did make it. And I'll run that list down real quick for you here. Jaquavius Marks from Carver, Atlanta, he shows up with Quentin Wesley in tow, former Mississippi State defensive lineman Quentin Wesley, strength coach there at Carver High School. Uh, Mark's entire family showed up wearing maroon and white. Mark's only guy that did, he wore a nice shirt. You know, he had on like a nice polo shirt and everything else. But uh, everybody in that group wearing maroon and white, everybody. Nobody showed up wearing, you know, uh, a Georgia Tech shirt or Atlanta Falcon shirt or Atlanta Hawk shirt. They all showed up wearing Mississippi State clothing. That's, that's great news. Uh, Tulu Griffin, he shows up, uh, com- comes in with uh, mom and aunt, his girlfriend, uh, and a uh, high school teammate of his that's going to be a recruit for next year, that being Kadarius Callaway. He'll be one of the top prospects in North Mississippi for the 2021 class. Uh, he's another one. Of the, and listen, we're gonna, Neshoba County's going to have some players next year. Go ahead and be prepared for that. But uh, So Tulu and them get there. As a matter of fact, the, among the first ones there, and then the first ones to leave had to get back, uh, had a working situation there. But he comes in uh, wearing Mississippi State clothing. And, and Tulu, again, continues to say all the right things feel really good about him. Jordan Davis uh, actually spent a couple days on campus. Jordan also reminded me of something that I had forgotten. And I went to introduce myself to him and say, nice to meet you in person. He goes, hey, I met you before. He goes, I came to the Combine in Tupelo one year uh, when I was at Bahalia with uh, with Coach John Danley. And so this is a guy obviously that has some connections uh, to Mississippi coming from an extended nature. But uh, Jordan... When he committed to Mississippi State, a lot of people were thinking, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I will be honest with you. After being around him and seeing how engaged he is and what's happening in Mississippi State, I will be absolutely shocked if he doesn't stick. I, I mean, I, I think that he has found the right place for himself. I think he feels at home in Mississippi State. He likes Deke Adams. He likes Jim Moorhead. That's big. And he also has some guys, some teammates that are coming up here with him. And and uh, he and Sebastian Dolcine both were very, very excited to find out that Tyrus Wheat was there. And uh, that that's big, too. We'll get that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, Malik Heath, the most recent Mississippi State commit, but he comes in and, and uh, really showed up and said, well, I'm not sure what he was going to do. Now, I, I had been told that he was going to commit uh, prior to fall camp. That, that we've, Matter of fact, I've heard that for a couple of months now. And uh, July 30th was the day I was told it was all going to go down. He gets on campus this weekend, decides to go ahead and get it done. Uh, Joe Moorhead, Michael Johnson, that group. You know, listen, it, there's no time like the president. I think it really kind of added an exclamation point on the weekend to go ahead and get Malik in the boat. Four-star wide receiver. 
Big time guy, for sure. Big time player. One of the top junior college prospects in the country. Uh, Dylan Johnson. I'm, I'm a Dylan Johnson fan. I don't know that he gets enough credit as a player. A lot of people talk a lot about Trey Benson, and we're kind of calling Dylan Johnson the Robin to, to Trey Benson's Batman. Dylan Johnson is an impressive-looking football player. Uh, they're probably going to win a state championship this year at Greenville St. Joe again. And I uh, spoke with him extensively about his commitment to Mississippi State. I'll have an update up there the next day or two. We'll have that posted over on jeanspage.com for you to read. Dylan says that much of this uh, Ole Miss conference about his recruitment is completely unfounded. You know, again, a lot of that's attributed to, quote, sources. Uh, Dylan says that he is he has attended more Mississippi State football games than he can count. And now he plans to play in those. And uh, there are a lot of people out there on the other side of things that, well, you know, he's Ole Miss can get him whenever they want to. If he's always wanted to play at Ole Miss, he completely, completely refutes that and says that that's never been the case. Said he would have played any position to be Bulldog. They're recruiting him as a running back, but he says he, he would have played running back, safety linebacker, whatever. It's because that's where he wanted to be. Emmanuel Forbes, he makes the trip, and uh, there was a lot of discussion early in the week, last week, that uh, Ole Miss was working hard to get him on their campus. But he shows up at Mississippi State with a couple of teammates. Uh, guys, I, w- I wouldn't say that we're SEC prospects, but uh, some friends of him that made the trip. There was discussion that he might make a uh, trip to Ole Miss this weekend. But there are new restrictions about that for fall camp. There, the new, there's a new, quote, dead period that limits some of that. And so I don't know how the, they expect to pull that off. But uh, Emmanuel Forbes, again, saying all the right things, doing all the right things. Still some concern. There are a lot of Ole Miss folks in Grenada, and I, and I don't know what it is about Grenada. We always seem to have a tough time recruiting up there. I don't know what, why that is. Uh, but, but be that as it may, maybe there's a direct correlation between the fact there's a lot of Ole Miss people up there that are working against us. Who knows? But Emmanuel Forbes shows up at Mississippi State, had the option to go to Ole Miss, elected to go to Mississippi State, felt that was the right decision, uh, and he's here. Uh, Will Rogers, Will looks great, talking great, very relaxed, eager to get into the season. They're going to play Starkville at home and then play Madison Central in week two. So, they, you know, Brandon's going to earn it right out of the gate. Will's also really working hard to kind of be a leader in this class, and that's what you want from your quarterback. One of the lead recruiters among the other players is Will Rogers and uh, pretty much knows everybody. I mean, that was the thing. I think he and uh, Jaquavius Marks met for the first time. I think that's right. But, uh, you know, Will, you can just see Will kind of work in the crowd out there and looks really comfortable in that role and uh, says he's uh, right at 6'2". Eager to see what he does this year. He's going to have a chance. To, people ask me all the time, you know, who's, who's the guy that can move up in the rankings? Well, I think Will could because I think, number one, I think Will's going to put some big yards together. I think the numbers are going to be there. And if they get a couple of wins early, watch out for Brandon. There were a team last year that lost in the South State Championship to Oak Grove, and Oak Grove nearly beat Horn Lake. Brandon feels like they have a chance to get back. We'll see. Uh, Cameron Threat is a guy that you know nobody really talks about Cam. Cam's going to be an early enrollment guy. Coming in at a position of need at corner. Now, I don't know how much he plays next year, but when you see him and Emmanuel Forbes stand next to each other, they are built almost identically. Long-limbed, tall, bigger-type corners. Guys are difficult to throw over. Guys with a, with a, with a long catch radius. Uh, Cam says Mississippi State's where he's always wanted to be. He took some time after he got the offer just to be sure about things. And uh, now he's 100% committed. And I don't know if you, knew, if you, if you knew this, 
but there was a uh, Yancey Porter had made a tweet, and this is not a bash Yancey thing. Uh, Yancey had tweeted out a picture of Cam. Cam was at a combine that Yancey was covering. I'm sure it had to be somewhere around Oxford uh, in order for him to do that. But but there was a picture, and there was an Ole Miss person that responded, and all Yancey did was tweet out a picture. Just say, hey, here's Mississippi State commitment, Cam. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, it wasn't there wasn't any analysis, there wasn't any criticism. It was just a, simply a picture. Yancey didn't do anything wrong, and so he posts a picture, and some old Miss person responds and says, uh, "And I should care why?" or some sarcastic comment. And uh, Cameron, Cameron's mom, followed up, and she uh, she responded to that old Miss person with a picture of uh, Cam dressed in full Mississippi State uniform, holding the golden egg. And uh, I, I think that's great. You're not not that I encourage uh, <laughs> social media trolling, but I think that's interesting that uh, to see his mother go out there and defend him that way and, and kind of embrace the uh, Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry. Really, really funny stuff. And again, Yancey Porter didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm not not in no any way suggesting that he did. All he did was simply take a picture and tweet it, and then some Ole Miss person felt the need to make a, 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 a sarcastic comment, which uh, and he ended up getting dunked on by uh, a Bulldog football mom. Janari Dean looks like a million dollars. I'm going I'm, I'm to be interested to see how things work with him because I don't know if he didn't grow into a linebacker, to be honest with you. That kid, long-limbed, already has embraced the weight room. I, I could see him being a guy that's 215, you know, 220. He, he is a guy that I, I think once he gets into the, uh, the strength and conditioning program at Mississippi State, he's going to put on some mass, and he's already right there around 200 pounds as it is. Uh, runs really well. You know, and um, you know, a little stiff at times, but uh, I I think he is one of the most, if not the most, explosive player in the state of Mississippi this year, and he'll probably run for 2,500, 3,000 yards this year uh, at South Panola because he is the best athlete on that team. He's not a running back by trade, but he'll play that out of necessity at South Panola this year. Look for Janari Dean to have a big, big year. 100% committed to Mississippi State out there working other guys. Uh, Grant Jackson there out of West Lincoln High School, and Grant was a guy early on that I wasn't exactly sure if he was going to be the Mississippi State kid. Even though he is a Mississippi State kid, I didn't know that he would join the Mississippi State class. This is a kid that shows up um, in the middle of the summer wearing jeans, wearing his his work boots. I mean, you know, this this, this is a Mississippi State kid. They're, they're from West Lincoln High School. Brings mom, his dad, his girlfriend, his sister, and her boyfriend. I mean, it was an unbelievable family day for them. And Grant, again, it's done with the recruiting process. He recently got a bump in the 247 rankings, too. You know, he's, uh, he's up to an 86 uh, ranking from an 82. He was Mississippi State's lowest-rated recruit. Now he is uh, he's up. Now, Trey Lawson. Let's talk about Trey for a minute here. Uh, Trey, an impressive-looking player. I have no clue if he will be anywhere... Uh, as talented as Montez Sweat was, but I'll tell you, they are they are cut from the same cloth. That that is 100% true. And Trey Lawson, a uh, a tattoo guy with long hair, so a young man after my own heart, had a chance to visit with him. He says that uh, there have been several schools that have tried to recruit him since he committed to Mississippi State, and he has let all of them know that he is not interested. That he is very happy with Deke Adams and Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, and uh, likes what Mississippi State has done with defensive linemen over the last several years, and wants to be a part of that. And uh, he said now what he's just focused on is his season at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and finishing up his academics. You're going to like Trey Lawson. <laughs> when, you see, when you see him, and I don't mean a picture on Twitter, when you see him in person, you're looking at a prototypical SEC 
defensive end, long, lean, rangy, athletic. This is I, I, I look forward to going and getting you guys some video uh, this year. Uh, Sebastian Dolcein, really impressed with him too. Very, very articulate guy. I don't know that he's 6'5". He's listed 6'5", 295. I don't know that that's accurate. Uh, maybe closer to 6'3", 6'4", but uh, he is a big, wide-bodied, square-bodied interior lineman. Uh, looks to be in great shape. Excited about Mississippi State, and again, he's a Hollywood, Florida guy. So there are still some schools back home that are that are in contact with him. He tells me that he's happy going to Mississippi State. Got a few friends going up there. Some guys that uh, he's bonded well, bonded well with, and that, and that that's a big part of things from Mississippi State is to get these guys to build this esprit de corps. If you know what I'm saying, it's not just about a T-shirt; it's about a relationship. And Sebastian clearly has that. Calvin McMillian was there; had to leave a little bit early. Calvin showed up in an Adidas uh, skateboarding shirt, even though he is not a skateboarder. He just simply liked the shirt. Again, athletic-looking guy, real raw. Okay, you watch his film, you look at him, he's kind of getting by on size and athleticism. He'll get some skill refinement once he gets into the Mississippi State program. I like him. I think he's got a chance to be you know, a right tackle for Mississippi State. Uh, every time you see him, he's one of those guys that's always smiling, always eager to get involved in, in, uh, in a conversation with you. But uh, he came, brought his family, had a great time. Armandus Cooley, of all the guys that I saw, I, I would say, you know, if I had to start ranking guys just off off the uh, how they look on the hoof, to coin a phrase, you know, you, you look, Dylan Johnson's a kid that really stands out. Uh, Trey Lawson really stands out. And Armandus Cooley really stands out. Uh, they've got him listed at 6'4", maybe 6'4", with the hair. And I, I can make that characterization as a person of hair but uh armandus is another one of those big wide-bodied three techniques that's what he's going to be and uh the the, it's of my first time to see him in person seeing the pictures of him he looks a little longer and leaner but then when you see him he does have that great wingspan but he's really he has the girth needed to play interior line in the southeastern conference very, very impressive-looking player. Brought his mom and a couple of family members. I mean, everybody's smiling from the time they get out of the car. Everybody's excited and ready to go. Uh, Armandus, eager to get to know his teammates, said he was eager to spend some time with his with his friends and family on campus. Uh, this is a kid here. I'm eager to see him play in person. But based on what I have seen, because somebody had told me earlier, well, you know, he might end up playing in. There is no way he plays in. This is a guy that was born to play defensive tackle. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be on the nose. I think he's going to be a true three technique. I, I really, really like the way that things are looking for him. Now, Caleb Ducking. So, you, you want your wide receiver core to look different? Uh, Caleb Ducking is a step in that, in that that direction for sure. He is a legitimate 6'5". He ran 448 at Mississippi State's camp. He earned an offer at Mississippi State's camp. When you've got a guy like him, he's from South Delta High School there in Rolling Fork. Very, very grateful for the opportunity. 100% committed to Mississippi State. And listen, this is a guy that has, listen, if you're looking for film, you're looking for stats on him, you're not going to find much. He is developmental from the word go. There's no question about it. He is one of those guys that is going to be, you know, he might even redshirt next year. But when you when they stack them like him, and they, when you're as big as he is, and you can run as well as he does, and you've got the catch radius, I mean, it is, it is incredible to see him. 
I mean, his hands are nearly down to his knees. That, that's his catch radius is off the charts. And so if you're looking for a guy to go up and elevate and make, you know, those, those jump ball throws in one-on-one situations, uh, Caleb Ducking is probably your guy. And again, I don't know what happens with him next year, but he's a guy that will enroll in January, and you want to transform the receiver position. And you go out and you get guys like Javante Payton. You go out and get guys like Isaiah Zuber. And then you start recruiting guys with this skill set and this size in mind, you're going to transform the receiver position pretty early. I, I'm, I'm, this is a walking mismatch. We, you, you talk about Deronia Wilson, and, that, and that's kind of who it reminds you of when you, when you think about that body type, when you think about his length, his height, just has a different, different hairstyle. But he's a guy that can go and elevate like Bear and uh, eager to see what he does. And uh, we'll go out and see, get some film of him so you guys can see. When you see how long and lean he is and as well as he runs, you're going to be really, really impressed. Speaking of being impressed, Bulldog Burger Company will impress you. Bulldog Burger Company is a, has already become a Stark Villigan institution. If you are looking for that great restaurant-quality hamburger, and why wouldn't you be, there are a lot of options to choose for when it comes to dining when you come to, to Starkville. You're not going to find a better restaurant-quality hamburger anywhere in the state of Mississippi than you're going to find right here at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, I am a person that uh, likes things a little bit different. You know, I like to get off the beaten path a little bit. I like to, to be able to appreciate people at, uh, you know, being a little bit eccentric at times. You can get a little walk on the wild side at Bulldog Burger Company. But if that's not your thing, if you just want a great restaurant-quality straight-ahead hamburger, the Bulldog, is your that, that that's your order. Go in there and say, hey, what? Guys, I'm here. Steve said to get the Bulldog. You're going to leave there, and you're going to feel great about life. While you're there, order the spring rolls. But if you want something a little bit different, let me encourage you to have the Smokehouse or have the, the Boneyard Classic, the Pimentology, and go ahead and add that bacon. Go ahead and live a little bit. If you're a little bit more on the health-conscious side, you can get a gluten-free bun. You can get no bun. You can have your hamburger served on a bed of lettuce. Or you can just get a great salad. You can get that great BLT salad. So many options to choose from. There is something great for everybody in your family at Bulldog Burger Company. We encourage you to go out and find your own favorites when you're in town. Bulldog Burger Company is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. And the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Let me go and get, we're probably going to go a little bit long today. Uh, so I want us to spend a few minutes here if we can. Uh, a lot of reaction to the show about the uh, the Emmett Till, the desecration of the Emmett Till Memorial. And I'm not going to rehash all of that again. My thoughts on the topic are, are well known by now for those of you that follow this, this program. Uh, but I will say this. I have read some comments, and, and, and I would say 90% of the feedback that I got very, very positive. Probably 5% kind of on the fence and another 5% critical. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, I, I don't have to be agreed with to feel, feel good about myself. But But all that being said, uh, there are some people out here that have tried to minimize some of this, you know, and said, hey, listen, this happens everywhere. And the first thing that I'll say to that is, no, it doesn't. And number two, to suggest that is to minimize that. Now, we can't make the whole world's problems ours, but we can work collectively together to make Mississippi a better place. And one of the things that has been very encouraging to me is, by and large, we're seeing a lot of Mississippians saying, hey, you know what, that's not who we are. That might be something in our past, 
that might be something that uh, you know some of our forefathers may have been involved in but that that doesn't reflect our value system and so that is encouraging one of the things that I that I have been very very um, I guess uh, disappointed in um, but you know one of the things that I learned you know pretty early on uh, living a life of recovery and I'm not saying you got to be clean and sober to, to appreciate this principle the first thing they teach you is you know the first step is basically admitting you have a problem you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm a person that has worked the first step many times in my life. But again, you don't have to be working the 12-step program to understand that. You know, you you learn a lot more from your mistakes if you acknowledge that you made them. I give you a good example of that, and uh, and I share this with you. You know, not as a person looking to to, uh, to lob any shots, but uh, I think if we can put some value. In the opinions of others who might have had a different path than us, I think we can learn something. Because here's the thing: I have learned that not everybody has the same experience that I do. We might experience the same things and then interpret them differently, and things may impact me differently. There are things that bother me that don't bother you, and vice versa. I get people tell me all the time, "I don't know how you deal with the social media stuff." Well, it's it's pretty simple. I've got alligator skin after all these years, and I think the mute function is one of the one best, the best things ever on Twitter. You know, I, I just I'm just not going to deal with it. I, I just I, I don't have to. I'm not paid to engage with those people that, that are content to be malcontents, and I'm not going to do it. But there are other things, you know, that, that might bother me that might not bother you. And so, and again, a lot of that is from our own experiences. Demarcus Lodge, Old Miss wide receiver, just finished up last year, uh, was considered the third best receiver on that team. Went undrafted, but I'll tell you, he was incredible for them down the stretch last year. I mean, I know that Ole Miss did not have a big year. But where would they have been without DeMarcus Lodge? But uh, So Ole Miss released a statement last year from interim chancellor Larry Sparks. And there's a lot of interim at Ole Miss, it seems. Uh, basically, you know, talking about how these the actions of these three people don't you know, reflect the values of the institution. Words to that effect. DeMarcus Lodge responds, quote tweets that, and says, Those three men and their actions honestly do represent the values of your institution. The only time a student of minority feels safe slash comfortable there is only if they're an athlete. Do better. Now, I don't know what DeMarcus Lodge experienced while on campus at Ole Miss. I, I don't know what he experienced while he was a uh, resident of the state of Mississippi. Only he can tell you that. But what's interesting to me is immediately there's a lot of people right out of the, right out of the gate that respond to this. Number one, there's some Mississippi State people that get into thread. Uh, you know, that always that always seems to happen. Uh, and then there are other people out here. There are some Ole Miss folks. Like uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put the people's name in it. You can go see for yourself. Uh, one guy right. The, one of the very first responses is you're wrong. You're wrong, D.L. Demarcus Lodge. You're wrong. How how do you know that he's wrong? How, how do you know his experience? You you, you don't. And then, of course, there's all these carpetbaggers that get in and say, hey, they still play Dixie. They don't play Dixie at Ole Miss anymore. They haven't done it in a long time. Uh, but there are all these people that jump in here, and they they offer their opinion. And a lot of these people were very critical of DeMarcus Lodge. And one of the things that I think is interesting is that that tweet was sent out at 1.41 on July 26. Well, it's the afternoon of July 29th, so we're three days into this thing. He has not deleted the tweet. And obviously, he is no longer under the supervision of the Ole Miss football coaching staff. 
So there's nobody out there to say, hey, listen, probably in good interest, let's just delete this. That, 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 that didn't happen. And so the fact that he still has this up tells me this is what he truly believes. He didn't think better of it later. He didn't get attacks from A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf that said, hey, man, that's not good for the program. That's not who we are. And, hey, you need to take that down. And even if he did get them, he didn't respond to it because his tweet is still up. What's interesting is I see a few of most people out here saying, hey, listen, let's have an open dialogue about this. Tell me about your experience. That is encouraging. There are some other people uh, that have just simply begun to bash DeMarcus Lodge. And I I don't understand that. I, I don't understand how you can or anyone can suggest, you know what, this was your experience and what you're saying about your experience is incorrect. That, that's wrong. That, that's what's led us to where we are in many respects. And that, that's why some of those old ideals that many of us would like to move on from is because of the fact we've got some people out there that are, de- that are denying they're an issue. When someone comes to me, someone that I have a, a relationship with of sorts, and somebody says, you know what, I'm really bothered by this. I think the worst thing that I can do is to suggest to them there's not a problem to invalidate their feelings, to come out and say, you know what, you're wrong about this. Now, they may perceive something incorrectly, or I may owe some amends or an apology, or I may need to change the course of my own actions. But the very first thing, if you go up with your hands up and say, you know what, I don't, I don't care how you feel. That's really what you're saying. When you say, you know, you're, you're wrong, you're wrong. There's old an old expression, old recovery expression that I absolutely love, and I've shared this many times. If, uh, if one person tells you that you're a horse, you say, shut up. If two people tell you you're a horse, uh, you, you, you might even use some more colorful language. But if three people tell you that you're a horse, you might want to go shop for a saddle. And so when you begin to, to see these things evolve and, and develop and you, and you begin to hear... And this is something that's available on social media. This isn't attributed to a source. It's right there in black and white. That a guy, a guy comes out, a respected member of the football team, a kid that played through it in, you know, some incredible injuries last year, uh, made some incredible catches down the stretch for them. When he comes out and says, hey, you know what, guys, listen, there's some truth in some of this, some of these things that you're hearing. It's one of the, it's one of the things for John Q. student to say it or Jane Q students, it's one thing for just a, a, a member, a face in the crowd. But you've got a guy with a platform, a guy that, that you know, has, you know, tens, tens thousand Twitter followers or so. And you've got a guy like that that is respected, a guy that, that represented your university, and it feels a play to come out and say, listen, there is some validity to what some of these people are saying. I think you have to take some notice there. Uh, and I know that a lot of people have uh, have made mention of this and, and taken some glee from all this. Uh, I I just think it's important. I think it's an important step in the dialogue. I, I think that it is. I think that is a big moment for Demarcus Lodge to come out and say that. Uh, that's his experience, and he's sharing what he feels is a collective experience of other. And he's a, and he was a student athlete. He goes, hey, I was treated pretty well. Basically, he goes, you treated pretty well if you're a student athlete, but. That's not the case for for other you know for maybe non-student athletes, and so I just felt that was that was brave of him to do that, and even despite the fact that he's had some backlash over it, uh, he has allowed that tweet to stay up. And so 
my hope is that, that that'll promote some healthy dialogue from people. Um, so let's jump into uh, spend a little time here talking about the Jackie Sherrill stuff. There are some things I, I want you guys to know, and there there's some things that I suspected and heard. And this has been you know 16, 17 years ago, but uh, to you know to to have a lot of that stuff validated and confirmed, I think is interesting. One of the charges against Coach Jackie Sherrill uh, that was, you know, that was not found uh, valid by the Committee on Infractions, but one of the things that Richard Hanegmeyer and uh, Mark Jones and and the uh, the enforcement staff levied at Jackie Sherrill involved the uh, a discussion about a car for JoJo Scott. JoJo Scott was a kid from from Hattiesburg, and uh, and so according to how it all boiled down, I'm going I'm to take you through this, okay, as best I can. So the initial charge came from essentially a cold call type deal. So Rich Johannigmeyer, former lead investigator for the NCAA, of his own admission, Johannigmeyer, once he took over the case, his two, the two of his first stops before he even went to Mississippi State were to Ole Miss and Southern Miss. By his own admission, he went and met with David Cutcliffe at Ole Miss and specifically asked him about did he know anything about Mississippi State. Not going in there open and asking an open-ended question. Not going in there saying, hey, listen, are there any irregularities in the state, or is there anything we need to know? Uh, in his own words, he says that he went and asked David Cutcliffe specifically about Mississippi State. Then he goes down to Southern Miss, and he meets with Jeff Bauer. And then, same conversation. And then Jeff Bauer tells them, according, according to Joe Hanigmeyer, Jeff Bauer says, Hey, you ought to go talk to JoJo Scott. JoJo Scott signed with Southern Miss and then got flushed out of the Southern Miss program and enrolled at a junior college. And not only did Bauer tell them the story, but then gave them directions to the kid's house. You know, I mean, that's, he, he was such a cooperative witness there. And so here you are, right out of the gate, you have a guy that is a... a this Mississippi, this case against Mississippi State was going nowhere. It was absolutely going nowhere. And then there was a, an adjustment in the enforcement staff, and Johannigmeyer gets the case. And uh, he brought a, a Mr. Comstock with him on a training, a training as a new investigator. So he brought him on a training exercise. And they go to Ole Miss and Southern Miss and ask both of them about, do you know anything about Mississippi State? And so, right out of the gate, the charges of a selective prosecution have already been validated by the words of the NCAA investigator who facilitated the investigation. Right out of the gate, he's telling us that he showed up at Mississippi State's two in-state rival institutions and specifically asked the head coaches, did they have any dirt on Mississippi State? Right out of the gate. So we get to the JoJo Scott situation, and so they go to JoJo Scott's residence, and his grandfather, Reverend Scott, is there 
they hang out for a while. They wait for Jojo to get there, and and uh, and then Johannic Meyer says, "Oh, I'm I'm here to talk to. Oh, this is about Mississippi State, isn't it? You know, and and, and I, I trust Rich Johannic Meyer about as far as I could bowl him. Uh, but be that as it may, so here so here is how. But here's the foundation of this allegation about this uh, promise of a vehicle to Jojo Scott. Th- this is what the evidence showed." And they still included this in the notice of allegations. And before I get into all this, I want to make sure people understand there has been reform in the NCAA since that time. There have been some changes in how they do things and and how they operate. And there have been some changes. Now, we could make the argument there probably is still some reforms they could still institute. But here's here's how it all boiled down. The, The charge, so JoJo Scott says that his grandmother, Ardenee Scott, had been informed by Terrell Grendel's mother, Rutha Grendel, and Terrell was already a freshman here at Mississippi State, that there was a possibility of getting a, quote, nice ride from Mississippi State. Then that charge is then elevated to that, well, Coach Freeman was the area recruiting coach, and so he makes those arrangements and that basically he was acting on the behest of Jackie Sherrill. And so here we go, basically, five degrees of hearsay. JoJo Scott says that his grandmother heard from Terrell Grundle's mother that Coach Freeman said that Coach Sherrill said we take care of this. Now, let's begin to kind of break this thing down. So the rest of that story is, is that uh, they suggest in their interview with uh, the NCAA that Coach Freeman, Coach Jerry Freeman, told them when they took the official visit to Mississippi State that Coach Sherrill would have that discussion with them. So when they take the official visit, there is no mention of a vehicle. None whatsoever. And this is their testimony. This is not Mississippi State or Jackie Sherrill. This is their testimony. Arden e. Scott and Reverend Scott all said when they went up there, there was no mention of a vehicle. Jackie Sherrill didn't say anything about a vehicle. Jerry Freeman didn't say anything about a vehicle. No Mississippi State person mentioned about making arrangements to get a vehicle. None of that took place. And the, the NCAA documents go on to say that JoJo Scott explained to them that he was angry, that he was angry that Mississippi State would not arrange for him to have a vehicle. So then it all gets down to the fact that it all that Ardenee Scott, the grandmother, are saying that well, she, her testimony initially was is that Ruth Grendel, Terrell's mother, said, "Hey, you can get a nice ride." And so when they begin to kind of unpack this thing, and Mike Glazier and Bracky Brett and, and Mississippi State officials had an interview with Reverend Scott. He says, no, that's that's not true. Nobody at Mississippi State ever offered us a vehicle. I, I don't know where that came from. So right out of the gate, you've got Reverend Scott and his wife supposedly being at odds. The NCAA investigation, they interview Mr. Scott, Reverend Scott, with all due respect. Reverend Scott says 18 times, 18 times, that nobody at Mississippi State mentioned a vehicle, offered a vehicle or suggested there was any possibility of being given a vehicle and then at that point 
the investigator, Rich Johannigmeyer, they turn the tape off and they bring Jojo Scott's grandmother in with Jojo Scott to kind of talk about these things. And at this point, you can tell that she, you know, they're, they're, they're grasping at straws. Because again, nobody, according to testimony, nobody from Mississippi State told Jojo Scott, hey, we're going to give you a car. It all stemmed from Ardeny Scott saying that Terrell Grendel's mother said they may be able to get a car. So then the NCAA says, okay, well, let's dig into this Terrell Grendel thing. And so not only did uh, Ruth Grendel explain to them that Mississippi State did not give them a car, she explained that they uh, they had purchased a car on financing and uh, ended up being a uh, 60-month deal uh, there locally. And the Grendel family had several cars. And one of the things that's funny about all that is that uh, in addition to this car business, the NCAA alleged that um, that Jerry Freeman in Mississippi State had arranged for Terrell Grendel and Keyshawn Fudge to get jobs there in Hattiesburg at the Sears Warehouse. Let me go ahead and tell you this. Okay, first and foremost, uh, I don't know that, that that's a real benefit working minimum wage in the Sears Warehouse as a high school kid. I, I, you know, anybody's happy to have a job, but no, I, I don't think that's an impermissible benefit. And here's the, here's the rest of that story, is that Terrell Grendel's father worked for Sears for 20 years. And then he accepted an early retirement and then went to work for someone else. So Terrell Grendel's dad works there and uh, they made arrangements to hire his son to work the warehouse one summer along with his best friend, Keyshawn Fudge, for minimum wage. And the NCAA said, no, they, this was, they arranged these jobs just because of the fact that uh, John Sparks is a manager of, of Sears and he was a Mississippi State alum. He said, oh, well, he's, you know, he's the, he's the linchpin behind this thing. I don't know about you, but I know, a lot of, I know a lot of dads out there that arrange for their kids to get a summer job. It's not like it would be unreasonable to expect Terrell Grendel's dad to say, hey, can we, can we hire my kid for some summer help? He needs, he needs to work. I don't want him sitting around all day playing video games, shooting basketball. He needs to work. It's not like he got a no-show job making 10 bucks an hour. And then on, on top of that, they used uh, David Fortenberry. David Fortenberry, and this is what's amazing. David Fortenberry graduated from Southern Miss. David Fortenberry attended the goalpost meetings with Jeff Bauer every Monday. They'd have that little, that little coaches meeting. But because he wrote a $100 check to Mississippi State in 1997 as a tax write-off, the NCAA deemed him a booster of Mississippi State, despite the fact that he even wrote on the check not for football, not for Jackie Sherrill, because he despised Jackie Sherrill. And Rich Johannigmeyer would have you believe that David Fortenberry, a Southern Miss booster, was trying to help Mississippi State on a recruiting trail. So that, that's the level of that allegation, that all the, that all the impermissible benefit stuff involving JoJo Scott, Keyshawn Fudge, Terrell Grendel, it all involved a Southern Miss booster. And you, know, and you know what's interesting? You know where JoJo Scott signed to play his college football? Southern Miss. How about that? And it was also a routine policy of uh, David Fortenberry to hire some of those kids from Hattiesburg High School because he was a Hattiesburg High School booster, very involved with the football program. And so they'd have guys up there that would need some work, and they would need things done with his firm, and so they would, he would hire people. He would hire these kids and pay them you know, out of his pocket, you know, pay them $20, $40 to come move some boxes or to rake some leaves or something. It was not anything that, was, that rose to the level of NCAA violations. 
And it's interesting, again, he's a Southern Miss booster, and this kid signed with Southern Miss, but yet there was no allegation that there was misconduct involving Southern Miss. And it goes to show you that every bit of this was about Mississippi State. That was, that was, the, uh, that was the alternative. I mean, pardon me, that, that was the objective. So everybody interviewed in this deal. Ardney Scott, she was the person that said that she she was told by Terrell Grendel's mother, and she was told by her her husband that uh, there was talk about a car, and then there was no car, and then everybody else involved with it, Terrell Grendel's mother, Reverend Scott, Jerry Freeman, Jackie Sherrill, everybody says this this discussion never ha- happened, and then you've got JoJo Scott later telling NCAA investigators that he was angry that he went on his official visit to Mississippi State, and the topic of the car never came up came up. And so I know that's kind of a kind of a confusing path there, but here's the deal, is here's what it sounds like to me, that you've got a grandmother out there that is kind of hoping, hoping something good happens. And then the next thing you know, the story kind of gets away from them. There was also some discussion in the NCAA transcript that uh, Mrs. Scott was saying that she wanted to get some furniture out of the deal. And that her husband said, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to be involved in anything like that. But she wanted to ask for some furniture. And so here we are having a discussion about trying to procure a vehicle and trying to get furniture. And then that this person, this is the person that Rich Johannigmeyer chose to believe. He chose not to believe Reverend Scott, who eventually said 29 times on the record that there was no mention of a vehicle from Mississippi State. He chose not to believe Ruth Grendel, who brought paperwork to show that they had purchased the vehicle themselves and they were making payments on the vehicle, chose not to believe her, chose not to believe Jerry Friedman, chose not to believe Jackie Sherrill, chose not to believe David Fortenberry, who absolutely despised Jackie Sherrill, but, but wanted to believe the person that uh, suggested they wanted to get some furniture out of the deal. So the one person out there that, that fit their narrative that's the story they went with want to get into this uh, Zena Reb Marge Doe stuff so she was uh, characterized as a confidential informant uh, by the NCAA and Marge Doe was her her name and so according to Rich Johannigmeyer's statements he only met her one time went to her residence with another gentleman uh, with him and said he only met her the one time. They also, he and Mark Jones both went on to say that uh, she had emailed and called the NCAA countless times, countless times, referred to Jackie Sherrill as the, quote, Prince of Darkness. Um, They also said that uh, she emailed regularly, and, and much of that information was simply not credible. She also had a relationship with Chris Spencer's family, and uh, they made some allegations about Coach Cheryl. Those, those allegations were not founded. They were not accepted as a statement of fact by the Committee on Infractions. They were kicked out when it was all said and done. And in the end, so no charges, according to the NCAA, according to their testimony, no charges were brought against Mississippi State based on any information provided by Zena Reb. Later to be known as uh, Julie Gibbert. That while she emailed a lot and talked a lot and uh, phoned a lot and actually had a uh, face-to-face meeting, 
uh, with NCAA investigators, that there were no formal charges brought against Mississippi State. And uh, what's interesting about all of that is uh, the way the protocol works is in order for a charge to be substantiated, it, it, it kind of goes back, I guess, to the whole constitutional you know, right to be able to confront your accusers. But you can't just make an anonymous allegation and then say, okay, well, this anonymous source, Marge Doe, said you did this, and we're going to charge you with this. There has to be some corroborating evidence. There has to be something to support the allegation. And so in these cases, apparently there was not enough evidence to support the charge. And so while some of that stuff was listed in a notice of allegations, the Committee on Infractions did not accept those those charges. Uh, I think that's real. I think that's rather interesting because there has been this, um, you know, this belief, I guess, that um, there were all these charges that, uh, that were kind of fueled by, you know, and, and you can go read the final report, and they even talk about that, about the, that this case fell well beneath what was advertised to the NCAA. Many people had said that Jackie Sherrill was this, and there was going to be all this talk about, you know, cars and cash money and all that kind of stuff, and, and they couldn't substantiate any of that stuff. Despite the fact that we had, and, and th- those of you that were around on the internet back in those days, and, and ironically, Mark Jones, who was the um, the director of enforcement, and Johanna Meyer, who was the associate of enforcement involved in this case, both of them said that they weren't on the internet back then. <laughs> if you can believe that, I'm, I wasn't an internet person. Give me a break. If you weren't an internet person back then, you weren't doing your job. That's where a lot of allegations are, right? And, but there was this belief, you know, that there was all of this discussion. I, and I remember, I think, the phrase that was used uh, by some of the uh, the red and blue Kool-Aid contingent back then is that uh, Mississippi State was going to get the walking death penalty, that we were going to be a shell of a program. And listen, it certainly felt that way uh, in the 2000s uh, for some time. But the the there wasn't a lot of social media back then, but a lot of the radio call-in shows and all the uh, – Anything that was fan interactive, you know, suggested Mississippi State was going to get absolutely crushed. And so, in many respects, the uh, the goal of the Ole Miss Lunatic Fringe was achieved because of the fact they created this cloud over the Mississippi State program uh, that was later, you know, for the most part, unsubstantiated. But it hurt Mississippi State recruiting considerably, considerably. Uh, so. That case is uh, is now behind this, but I'm just, just checking my notes here just to make sure I don't miss anything. A, a couple of the uh, the allegations uh, attributed to uh, to Marge Doe was that uh, Jackie Sherrill had uh, found a way to get Bracky Brett hired as Mississippi State's compliance director, and that Dr. Lee was also Jackie Sherrill's handpick to be the president because those people would stay out of his way. And uh, I think the actual phrasing was that uh, did uh, the Prince of Darkness or Jackie got his man? He got his man when he got President Lee. It, it's just it's hysterical the things that uh, that kind of come that come out you know later in the deal. Also, there was uh, a report uh, I can't recall if it was to the SEC office or the NCAA office that that Mississippi State had a bounty out on the, a uh, Ole Miss quarterback, and that was rumored to be Eli Manning. That there was a a bounty that this this internet troll had uh, had found evidence that Mississippi State had a bounty out on Eli Manning. I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff is just absolutely so beyond the pale. But I'm glad that some of this, that we're able to get some of this information. I've talked to several people that um, 
involved in this that have shared some information with me. And uh, I wanted you guys to know these things because it just we, we've heard these things about how flimsy all this was. And uh, the NCAA even admitted that uh, some of Jackie Sherrill's uh, legal team had sent countless emails and letters and directives uh, to them saying, listen, there, there is no evidence to support these charges. You need to go ahead and drop these things because uh, there, there's just some, nothing to substantiate these allegations. And that Joe Hattigmeyer put them in there anyway. And uh, Mark Jones went along, right along, along with it. And the NCAA allowed that thing to move forward. And uh, even in the Committee on Infractions, Infractions hearing, even when State had the hearing for the COI, a member of the committee audibly said, this is absurd. When they were reading through some of these allegations, one of these associates of, uh, of Zena Reb suggested that uh, Jackie Sherrill had offered to pay off their mortgage and uh, pay their medical bills and all, all kind of stuff like that, and uh, that the committee just simply didn't buy it. And in the end, those allegations were, were, not, were not upheld. And um, so now, flash forward you know, 16 years later, and uh, now it all kind of comes to bear. It doesn't help Mississippi State now, but I think it really shows that back then a lot of what Jackie Sherrill was saying was correct. That when he got out there and, and professed his innocence and you know saying that you know that I'm not involved in these things, these people are incorrect. When you begin to look at how flimsy those charges against Coach Sherrill was, and I'm not going to sit here and say Mississippi State was completely innocent in the deal. There were some things that were done, but they were mostly minor. And Mississippi State's penalties, really the penalty for Mississippi State was the investigation itself. You know, the scholarship limitations and all that stuff, you got over that pretty quickly. But the cloud of the investigation and, and uh, you know, the, the media stuff that went with it. And, uh, and you may recall this when Rusty Hampton and that group were there involved with the Clarion Ledger. The Clarion Ledger could not write a practice report without mentioning that Mississippi State was under investigation. And, uh, there's, you know, that's one of the things about this case that I, I think there's, I think there was a lot more to unearth. I think there was a lot more about how media within the state of Mississippi operated at the time. I, I would have loved to have seen those people on the stands. Uh, Rick Cleveland was on the witness list. I know that they were in the process of uh, of adding Rusty Hampton to the witness list. I know that uh, that was in the works. And so that's one of the things about this, as happy as I am for Coach Harold and Miss Peggy and, and, uh, and the family to kind of put this behind them, there's a part of me, I, I don't like the fact that some of these other people that were involved in some of this stuff, they'll essentially kind of get to walk away. Um, and, and not because of the fact that I think Rusty Hampton or Rick Cleveland did any, I'm not, I'm not being critical of either one of those things. If, they, if they've got a source, if they've got reputable people giving incredible information they would be fools not to use that you know, rusty hampton had uh, had a great source when he was reporting on arkansas years ago too so i don't fault them at all but i would like to have known how that information made its way to the media how how did that happen i remember reading that ken griffith former brandon football player who was involved in the uh, the quote summer school uh deal over one or one summer school course at the ed center there was some some discussion about that that he said in an article by the Clarion Ledger at the time that Johannigmeyer had told him that hey these people are going to call you and it's okay to talk to them and uh, that flies in the face of every bylaw about confidentiality within the NCAA enforcement staff that you are never encouraged you're, you're, 
people are told to keep these things confidential. Uh, and so, again, interesting. And I know we've had this, this Ole Miss case recently kind of in the news, and there are some parallels in this, except for the fact that Ole Miss was absolutely, uh, over a much longer period of time, had a lot more issues to deal with. When you get down to the end of the day and you look at this stuff, what eventually came to came to bear against Mississippi State really kind of minor in the grand scheme of things. And again, the bigger issue, the bigger punishment for Mississippi State was the actual investigation and the cloud over the program. Once you you moved on, and Coach Cheryl was dealing with a lot of personal issues at the time. You know, his uh, his mother his his mother had died, his brother died, Miss Peggy had cancer, and then you had all this over and beyond that. And uh, you know, Peggy Sherrill testified about that stuff uh, during the case, but. Uh, all that said, the NCAA didn't have a whole lot against Mississippi State. They didn't. And and it, it is apparent from their actions that they were really trying to get Jackie Sherrill out of football. And that was what was alleged for many, many years. But I think in their own words, when they show up on rival campuses and say, hey, listen, what do you know about Mississippi State? Uh, I think that kind of shows you that, you know, they've got a target on some people. And, uh, and and some of that's still going on today. I think almost people make the same argument. They say, hey, you know, listen, when you go into a rival school's locker room and say, hey, tell us everything you know about Ole Miss, um, you know, you could make the same arguments that, you know what, they were in the crosshairs. And the question becomes, too, is what, do, what did you do to get there? You know, and that's one of the things, too, I think is really interesting is that uh, some people have, have kind of, painted Jackie Sherrill a certain way, but when you look at his record, the NCAA doesn't have a single charge against him. There was never a single allegation in Jackie Sherrill's career that he was personally involved in that went to the Committee on Infractions and then was upheld and, and resulted in being a finding of fact. I think that's I think it's amazing. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today, and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. As again, we're getting ready for football, man. We're getting ready for football. And I wanted to kind of get this stuff out and get, let's get it over with. You know, and address some of these things because I think it needs to be published. But also, too, I'm ready to get into football and kind of get into that that routine. That's one thing I love. We get more head on Monday, offense on Tuesday, defense on Wednesday. Next thing you know, we're going to play a football game. And so this one thing about football season, very regimented in how we do things. There's a schedule of things. And I know you guys are like me. You're ready for it to be here. Man, it's just, you know, we got, what, are five weeks? Is that right? And I think we'll start getting some preseason NFL games coming up here in a, in a few days. Probably so. It's about that time. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you to go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself some Stark Villain gear. Getting reports of more and more people buying those shirts. Very, very happy to hear that. It's back to school time. Your kids are going to want that Stark Villain hoodie. We have the hoodies there. you got the T-shirts. I know a lot of people still wear school uniforms, but most of the schools in Mississippi have free dress. Go get your school colors in a Stark Villain shirt. Let people know where you stand when it comes to this Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry, that you're on the good side. You're on the Bulldog side. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.